The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. David French's weekly Sunday essay focused on the backlash to a picture of Vice President Pence in prayer with his coronavirus task force. Most scientists in this country are people of faith. The more they learn, the more they know that they do not know or cannot explain about the world around us. Faith is what sustains us while we hope. Should I say pray? For a scientific answer to fix the problem. In this case, an effective therapy or a vaccine for COVID-19. Faith is a bonding of community focused on a common goal. The expression goes, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, there are no atheists in a foxhole. We send our children to school where every morning they pledge allegiance to the flag, one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I solve problems. I don't make them. And in this case, while we may all have differing ideas of what God is, omnipotent, omnipresent, a prime mover, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Baha'i, or an atheist. We have one common goal in this crisis and that is to understand the coronavirus so that we can minimize the suffering and deaths that it can cause. There are no atheists in this national foxhole. We must all practice the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the country's leading expert on infectious diseases, at the National Institutes of Health is unambiguous. COVID-19 is here. We can't talk it away or wish it away, nor will we have a drug to stop it anytime soon. It would be very optimistic to say we have a, we'll have a COVID-19 flu-like drug, think about something like Tamiflu, in a year, but it will probably be longer. We don't know how bad this epidemic is going to be, and yes, it is an epidemic. It's doubling in size every day. We don't know how long it will last. We are already seeing community spread, doing trace uh, tracking to better understand what has happened. But as testing ramps up, the number of ca cases will grow and the contact tracing will be of lesser value. At this moment, the best advice that the National Institutes of Health or the Centers of Disease Control, you'll hear it referred to as the CDC, the best advice they can offer is the advice we moms all try to practice with our children. Wash your hands thoroughly and often, 
carry alcohol-based hand sanitizer when there's no soap and water. I've done that for years, so now all of you who make fun of me can stop laughing at me. Do not touch your nose, eyes, or mouth. Hard to do, but if you're going to have to do it, as in to wash your face, wash your hands first. Clean your smartphone daily. You know, take a Lysol wipe, a paper towel, a little bit of Clorox, whatever. Clean your phone daily because think about how many times you touch something and then touch that phone. Same goes for doorknobs and the handles on cars. Clean your countertops and other surfaces thoroughly with soap and hot water, maybe even a little bleach. And if you're sick, don't go to work or to school. Take your temperature. If, you're temp if you have a temperature, contact your doctor. That doesn't mean walk into the ER. That means pick up the phone and call. If you are over 50 years of age, you are at increased risk of complications. So Dr. Fauci says, stay off airlines if you can. Absolutely stay off cruise ships. Avoid large crowds of people. I wonder if that includes our 78 and 79-year-old Democratic presidential candidates and our 75-year-old president. And I wonder, until we get a handle on the spread through our schools, maybe we ought to stick to FaceTiming our grandchildren. Community infection is what concerns me. It is likely that there are hundreds, if not thousands of people who are infected who just think they've got a bad cold. Each one capable of infecting an estimated three additional people. So if you're looking for patient zero, just think. Thousands of travelers to Asia during the U.S. holiday season and the early weeks of the Lunar New Year holiday season return to the United States without any screening most of them passing through LAX, San Francisco, or Seattle. So how many of them went to work or sent their children to school after traveling saying, ah, it's just a cold? This has been true for travelers from South Korea, Iran, Italy, etc., until just a few days ago. And now we have over 1,000 potential cases in New York City all resulting from a single individual who made a business trip to Europe. Came back, thought he had a cold, infected his children, both college students and the colleges were forced to close in an effort to contain the virus, as was the synagogue where that family prays. And, and commuting into work from Westchester to Grand Central Station, as many as a thousand people were exposed. The last pathogen this particular individual was tested for was COVID-19. They had eliminated flu and other pathogens, and then they tried COVID-19, because it's so hard to get your hands, if you're a doctor, on a test kit in order to test your patients. The more we come to understand the risks of community spread, the more large gatherings of people are being suspended in an abundance of caution. The Warriors basketball team in San Francisco issued a statement saying they'd allow fewer fans at games to avoid close contact, like to leave seats in between people. And they will no longer allow anyone over the age of 60 to attend a game. 
Large gatherings like South by Southwest are canceling to prevent the spread. And that's a huge economic hit to the city of Austin. The NCAA began playing its round of 64 games, uh, of 64 games without fans in the stands. Why not stop presidential primary rallies? Given the differences in crowds and votes, it doesn't seem that they matter very much anyway. Even the healthcare organization where I'm a subscriber has issued an advisory this weekend about elective visits. Well, that's a little late for me. I was at the laboratory for a routine blood test just this last week. And while I was waiting, there was a stream of people coming through wearing masks and lining up for chest x-rays and blood tests. Well, my fellow patients and I, who were there for just something routine, couldn't help wondering what we might go home with that we didn't have when we came there while we huddled as far as we could from the obviously ill. I lysoled my sweater before I put it back in the closet that evening, just in case. There is little doubt that contact tracing back to contact points is going to result, it's gonna make something crystal clear. And that thing that it's gonna make crystal clear is it's those lifestyle changes that we need to focus on because everybody is in this foxhole together. So back to the top of the podcast, God helps those who help themselves. And that starts in our consumer-driven economy at the point of sale. One of the reasons I hate to go to shopping centers is the number of people at the cash registers who really who are, have a cold or worse and are at work. And yes, if you're getting the idea that I live, that I am a germaphobe, I am because I'm one of those people who doesn't catch a cold, I get really sick. <clears throat> so I'm a little defensive. So when you see someone at work in a retail environment who has a cold or worse, yes, they probably caught it from someone else who came to shop while they were sick. And both the originator and the recipient need to stop being so selfish. They need to stay home so they don't infect other people. Even worse, have you ever noticed that the grocery clerk who's handling all your groceries is coughing, sneezing, and sniffling while passing your groceries one by one across the scanner? Or a wait person in a restaurant who's going sniff, sniff, sniffling. Because 80% of COVID-19 infection is not serious, how many people who have or have had COVID could have waited on a customer who subsequently became seriously, yes, critically ill? The Washington Post featured an opinion piece written by a 63-year-old man who was stricken with COVID-19 on board the Diamond Princess. He said the illness, and I quote, felt like a bad cold, unquote. Low-wage retail workers often go to, sick, go to work sick with a bad cold because they can't afford to stay home and lose pay. And employers let them because it allows them to do minimum staffing. Additionally, these workers send their children to school with a bad cold because they can't afford daycare. Much as I oppose overregulation, in the interest of public health, 
here's an area where the government should step in aggressively. Significantly in the COVID experience, but generally to pre prevent the spread of flu that kills roughly 60,000 to 100,000 Americans every year. Even a common cold in an elderly or chronically ill person can lead to pneumonia, hospitalization, and sometimes death. Low-wage workers with obvious symptoms should not be allowed to work, but you have to pay them some sick days so they don't get behind on their rent and so they don't feel compelled to try to hide from you that they're sick. Public health personnel should monitor these practices aggressively until it becomes second nature at the point of sale. Paying people not to come to work sick might add a dollar to your weekly grocery bill or your Friday night burger and beer, but that's a lot cheaper than Mucinex, Theraflu, or stay in the hospital. And that extra dollar, bill, dollar on your bill might save lives. Maybe your parent or your grandparent, maybe even your own life. And then there's my pet peeve, the checkout devices that require each customer to key in data and or to sign the electronic receipt with one common electronic pen. Who else with germs has handled that equipment? Coronavirus can live up to nine hours on a hard surface. Talk about an agent of infection. Now, this peeve is especially strong at a, at a drugstore. It seems plainly ridiculous to me, at least, that we've all been discouraged from normal weekend ritual of greeting the person next to you in church or in the synagogue with a handshake to avoid contagion. Okay, and then insisting that all the sick people picking up Tamiflu at the drugstore use the same pen to sign for their prescription. Plus, the next healthy person in line is required to use that very same keypad and electronic pen. I ask, is there enough Purell in the country to contain an outbreak of a virus in a medical system so fraught with contradiction? Do we need more retail point-of-sale merchants to institute the latest Costco change? They're, they now have an employee at the entrance to the store who disinfects the cart before the customer enters the store. Do you need to adopt the practice at all point-of-sale terminals in grocery stores or drug stores? at least until the manufacturers of these devices can develop an approach to consumer electronic payments that does not involve every customer handling the same equipment without sanitizing intervention. How many lives could be saved with this minor efficiency effort? Is it worth it? I think so. But above all, it is up to each of us to do our part. Follow the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Wash your hands. Don't send your children to school if they have a cold. And yes, carry that little bottle of Purell. I know it's been hard to find lately, but it will be in the stores again in a few days, they tell us. While you're at, at the store, buy a six pack of Corona. Corona beer, that is. 
It has no relationship to the illness, but it has seen a 38% decline in say, sales since the first news of the novella coronavirus broke out. We'll be back soon with another episode of Reimagine America Radio Hour. A fourth Trump administration chief of staff? Why would Mark Meadows give up a safe house seat for the high-risk White House role? Well, we're going to tell you, but that's next time. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.